Hello, detective. I hear you've been looking for me. I've come to confess to the murder of James Owens. Shall I start with facts? You already know the facts, don't you? I suppose the whole country knows the facts by now. It was the opening night of the Astoria Theater Company's production of Salome. Quite the scandal all on its own, really, even before the incident. The company had a prestigious reputation, after all. Critics had called us stuffy and old-fashioned, but we fancied ourselves to be the epitome of class and elegance. And I was the Astoria's crown jewel. You don't mind if I smoke, do you? Well, turns out principled art does not sell tickets these days, and critics have never been so cruel. Nothing gold can stay. Isn't that the saying, detective? I was a dying star on a dim stage. Past her prime, they said of me. Enter stage left, one Mr. James Owens, some upstate fat cat coal heir who fancied himself an actor, our deus ex machina coming to save us in our dark night of the soul. Impossibly tall and handsome, golden hair, eyes of sapphire, you know the type. He buys the theater for a song, fires all the management, and says we are at the birth of the golden age of Astoria. Progressive, daring, sexy, and no expense was spared. He went all out, top-of-the-line costuming and props and lighting, even renovated parts of the building. Many of us were skeptical at first. But the papers are right about one thing. The man had charm. We all fell for it. Anyway, Mr. Jesus, James Owens, Christ our Lord and Savior, declared that the premiere production for this golden age would be... Salome. Oh, yes. Salome, the salacious biblical tale of the exotic seductress who used King Herod's lust to leverage the beheading of poor John the Baptist. Guaranteed to get butts in seats, wouldn't you say? I wasn't sure I was up for the challenge. I had never played someone so violent and grotesque, but James insisted I be his Salome. Of course, casting himself as John the Baptist, Yochanan as they called him in the script. Everybody thought a younger girl should have the part, but James took a special interest in me. Don't get me wrong, detective, I've had my share of lovers. I know the Astoria like to showcase me as a pure, delicate nymph, but when the curtain falls, men come and go like ships at port in this business. I just did my best not to get too attached. 
After all, the act we call making love is merely a performance. But love itself, love is truly profane. There's a big difference between a performance and a lie, and I am no liar. I am an actress. But something happens in the moonlight, detectives, when the city goes still. It feels like a delightful rebellion against nature to still be up, and the veil between what is real and what is illusion becomes so very thin. I feel it even now, don't you? Nearly every night, James and I rehearsed alone into the early hours of Salome and Yokinen. We played with the performance like gleeful children experimenting dancing. We became each other's dark muses, and I truly believed our partnership would fix my starlight firmly in the heavens for eternity. But when the sun came up, he was a different person. Instead of dancing with me, he danced around me, drawing all eyes to himself. I became so weak. A pathetic, withered creature, mouth wide for a single drop of rain. I admired him, and craved him, and resented him. I couldn't understand how our private rehearsals could be so intimate, so full of magic, just to evaporate in the sun like morning dew on grass. Yet every time he called, Moonlight Detective, a moth to flame. I began to dream of Salome. She was me, but she wasn't me, and was dancing with the executioner's sword in her hands, twirling it around and above and over and along her body, highlighting her movements. I recalled the dream to James, and he loved it. He said we had to put it in the show, and that Salome herself should be the one to be had Yokana. I protested. He insisted. That was our dance. He put the replica sword in my hands and I tried my best to mimic what I'd seen in the dream. He started putting his hands on me, guiding my hips, waist, steps, and I did my best to follow, but apparently I wasn't moving to his satisfaction. His direction became harsh and his touch forceful, and I dropped the sword and... Well... I protested. He insisted. Do you know what happens to a man after he does a thing like that to a girl like me? <laughs> Nothing. Tale as old as time. On with the show. So that was the last night I had a private rehearsal with James Owens. And for the next two weeks, I practiced my sword dance alone. Before we knew it, it was opening night, the moment we'd all been waiting for, the rebirth of the Astoria. My performance that night was splendid. Every soul was on the edge of their seats, 
hanging on my every word, every eye, fixed on the movements of my body and the glimmer of my blade. And for the first time since I can remember, I felt powerful. I was already dreaming about what the papers would say. Oh, how wrong I was. I doubt you've ever been in hiding, detective, so you may not know this, but it is incredibly dull. I've had nothing but time, and I've spent it reading all about you and your investigation of the so-called Astoria tragedy. How the audience thought it was all part of the show, and even some of the actors didn't know it was real. How, by all accounts, the actress dropped the sword, calmly left the stage, left the building, left her life. But James Owens never left that stage. His final bow was at my feet. Some suspected that the replica sword was somehow replaced with the real one, and that this was all some horrible accident. How could that be, detective? How could that many stagehands and actors handle the sword before the scene and not know that they were holding a real one? And how is it possible this replacement sword just disappeared and was never found? <laughs> you know what else I read in the papers? All the ceremony and remembrance and collective grief over the world's most beloved creep. The great list of his accolades and all the god damned lamenting how this precious man who was only beginning to burgeon into the next great artist of our time was pruned far too soon let me be perfectly clear detective even if it was an accident he got what he deserved and I was the hand of fate I don't know how but I know it was me I have danced for so many men, detective. <laughs> oh, how they love a dance. I have danced for the promise of a tender kiss, for the promise of love, and every time was left breathless and empty-handed. Because a man cannot give what he does not possess. And that night I danced a Salome, and I finally understood what she was trying to tell me. If you must dance for a man, dance for the promise of the one thing he is certain to possess. Power. It is never truly given, only taken. And only a moment before it slips through your fingers like sand. One moment of power, one promise. People underestimate what a woman can accomplish in a single moment when she is laid in wait for it her whole life, waiting in rage and disgust and disdain. So when my time finally came, I seized that blessed moment. I committed to my own justice. I committed to my humanity. I brought the blade down upon his neck, and I severed. This episode, Salome Redux, was written by Alyssa Geyser and performed by Virginia Spots. Audio editing and sound design by Tal Manier. 
produced by Ezra J. Wayne and Tal Manier.